Welcome to Young's Court Podcast, episode 12. And uh, this episode is going to kind of mirror my preseason awards. Um, we're at the midseason point of the NBA. Um, even though the All-Star game is still about a month away, um, in, in terms of games played, we're, we're basically at the midpoint. So, um, the most improved player... Uh, I had said to start to start the year, I, I predicted that it would be Marvin Bagley, and my sleeper was Karis LeVert. Well, both of those players have been injured, um, so at this point, uh, my favorite for for most improved player, because I, I get to choose again, luckily, um, is Brandon Ingram, who's averaging 25 points a game. He's doing 25, 7, and 4 right now, um, and he's just been playing fantastic basketball. If you if you get a chance to watch Pelicans basketball, I know things are going to shift a little bit when when Zion comes back. He's having a great season, and he even said himself um, there were some other people in his draft class that have got max contracts or max deals, and he definitely, after this season and, and so far, will be up uh, to deserve a max contract at the end of the season. Um, for a defensive player of the year, um, I had Anthony Davis... And my sleeper was Miles Turner to start. And I still am staying with Anthony Davis at this point in the year. He is really a, a, a great rim protector for a, a team that has a lot of size inside for the Lakers. And he's really set out to be the defensive player. And he's played up to that standard so far this season, even though he's been injured the last few games. At the sixth man of the year, um, I had... Um, Lou Williams, and I'm going to stick with Lou Williams. Um, he is having a great season, 19 points per game, and really six assists a, a game is telling that he's come off the bench and he's not just looking to score this year. He's really figuring it out and, and helping um, that team off the bench as well distribute the ball. Um, Rookie of the year, I picked preseason Zion Williamson, and my sleeper was Tyler Hero. Um, Zion's been out to this point, and it's clear favorite is going to be John Morant unless Zion comes back and plays incredible for the remainder of the season, doesn't get injured. John Morant, um, you know, he had a, he's had a great season and he had a great week, great game against Houston um, earlier in the week. Um, MVP um, to start the season, I had LeBron James, and my sleeper was Ben Simmons. Um, and at this point. It's clearly Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, what he's done for Milwaukee and their record says it all. He's having a fantastic season. And um, Coach of the Year and Executive of the Year, I did not do for preseason. But at this point, my Coach of the Year is Eric Spolstra for the Heat. Heater off to a great start, a surprising uh, start. A lot of uh, players stepping up, playing very well for them one of the NBA's biggest surprise teams, and he's doing a fantastic job coaching them. And for my executive of the year, I have Rob Palenka um, really changed around the Lakers in less than a year with some big moves, big trades, um, great free agent signings, and the Lakers are one of the best teams in the NBA. Um, Next up, Zion Williamson uh, returning January 22nd and his expectations. Um, I think, you know, in uh, the preseason, we saw him at 23 points per game, and he was really electrifying. 
um, and really dominant. And, you know, that's the preseason. And I still think he's going to be around 17, 18 points a game. And he can average about seven, eight rebounds a game. But it's going to be hard for him, you know, coming off this torn meniscus to really live up to the expectations we had at the beginning of the season, coming off the preseason. Um, A lot of people are saying that they're really concerned about his knees and his injuries and the impact he puts on his knees because of the weight that he carries. And the Pelicans' pushback is that they're teaching him how to run correctly and manage his weight. And I'm very interested to see him in his first game against the Spurs um, when he comes back on January 22nd. Um, The last episode I talked about February 6th trade deadline and certain players um, that were were big pieces for teams if they got traded in. Now we take a look at um, this today. There was just a big trade. Well, not a huge trade, but Jeff Teague and Travion Graham to Atlanta for Alan Crabb to the Timberwolves. And that's just a little shift in uh, the NBA. And we're going to see way more trades from now until February 6th. But um, that trade... All the players have expiring contracts, and uh, I think Jeff Teague is is really going to be a a valuable piece for Atlanta, Um, you know, just because with Trey Young being his backup, and if he gets injured or other players get injured, and and he's kind of like a veteran on that team, so I think that's a good move um, for Atlanta, bringing him back to that city where he played before. And Alan Crabb is kind of becoming a journeyman, trying to find himself in the NBA, um, going to the Timberwolves. He provides added shooting for any team. And, um, you know, his contract is kind of, uh, you know, expensive for what he's done in the league thus far. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll see how he fits into the Timberwolves roster. Um, last night, watching my team, the Nets, and, uh, you know, they they played a, a tough game where they were leading for, you know, it was a close game within seven to four points in either direction for the whole game against Philly. Um, Very competitive team that they lost to in the playoffs last year. And Kyrie said after playing on ESPN last night um, that the Nets had glaring needs that will need to be addressed in the summer. And until uh, the team, then the team will have to do the best they can with the pieces they have. He then went on to talk specifically about players um, that will complement himself in Kevin Durant, DeAndre Jordan, Garrett Temple, Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis LeVert, and he said we'll see how that evolves, leaving out some key pieces um, on the Nets. Joe Harris has played very well this season, um, and Torian Prince has played, you know, very well this season. He's had some shaky, some ups and downs, but um, you know, Kyrie is is really becoming um, one of the most interesting guys in the league because of what he says. Um, And I know they say actions speak louder than words, but on the court, um, you know, I think the the Nets lost yesterday's game mainly because of him. It wasn't really the team played well, and he didn't have a particularly great shooting night, finishing 6 of 21, and the Nets have had a better record without him 13 and 13 when he was gone and then when he's starting five and nine so it's just something to track I I think long term 
Um, it's not going to really, all this talk is not really going to be a problem when KD comes back. KD, um, you know, he's one of the best players in the league. Some people think he is going to be the best player in the league when he returns, if he's fully healthy. And I think he will fix a lot of the problems that the Nets are having. I think the Nets are a definite playoff team for this year, and they're figuring things out. They have Kyrie, and he is really shifted the way the Nets play, and he's a big part of their offense. And if he does not play well, the Nets cannot win when he's playing because he's playing heavy minutes. I think uh, a lot of the guys on the Nets were getting accustomed to before he came and when he was injured to playing heavy minutes and having to step up and proving themselves in the league. And then when you get a a superstar like Kyrie, it's kind of like, what do you do with Kyrie? How do we use him properly? And the Nets still have a lot to figure out. Um, In terms of, you know, what he said, Stephen A. Smith kind of went off on Kyrie and and, and how he was disappointed with, with him and you know, as a Nets fan, it's 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 hard to watch because you you love Kyrie. He's very entertaining, um, but because I've watched all the Nets games, they have just played better basketball when he's not there. The ball seems like it's it's moving more fluidly. The first game he came back was a little bit different. They played against Atlanta. No Trey Young. He was injured. The ball was moving fluidly. And they, they were really in control of that whole game. And then you see them play one of the better teams in the East. And they struggle on offense to find out, you know, who to go to with the ball. Spencer played very well last night. And it's really about getting the whole team um, to play well. And more so for Kyrie this season, learning how to be a leader of a team. That's the huge part. Um, you know, he, he kind of didn't work out in Boston. And now he's in... New um, Brooklyn, and they really need him to step up and, and be a leader. And they have guys there that, you know, they they already were proving themselves last year and made the playoffs and, and and did way better than people thought. And now at 18 and 22, it's kind of a disappointment where the team is at right now. A lot of injuries also. So we'll we'll monitor that and see how that goes for the rest of the season. All right, um, NBA power rankings. I have my my top um, 10 teams to this point in the season. Um, at 10, I have Philly, 24 and 14. Um, consistently saying week by week, team that has the size and ability um, to be very good. Watching them play the Nets last night, Tobias Harris had an incredible fourth quarter. Really the reason why they won, um, he hit timely clutch shots and they need more from him more from Josh Richardson um, consistently and I think spacing is going to be an issue with them Uh, but I like the you know just what they have on that roster on paper they look like a team that could very well come out of the east but what we've seen so far this season that's why I have them at 10 at nine I have Toronto 26 and 14 uh, defending champs. I keep saying this weekly. They're not letting off the season, and they remain one of the NBA's biggest surprises. They keep playing um, well, and you would think losing a guy like Kawhi Leonard would have a huge drop off. But you got to understand, this team had a lot of players that played crucial minutes last year because of the load management with Kawhi 
And then in the playoffs, um, you know, they gained a lot of confidence going through that playoffs the way they did. Um, all the series were very close. So Toronto at nine. At eight, I have Houston, 26 and 14. Um, sitting at five in a, in a bunched up Western Conference. Um, the production from Harden, consistently great. Uh, you know, and it's very interesting. Nobody's really talking about him for the MVP right now because of the numbers in the NBA seems so inflated this year. 38 points, he's leading the league by, uh, you know, eight points, and, and that's a lot. A, a huge average. Nobody's going to catch him. Um, he's going to win the scoring title if he stays healthy. Very sure about that. And uh, he just, there's just so much inconsistency around him. When you have one player who's pounding the ball, gets up a shot, uh, it just, it's hard for other players to find out where they get involved, be ready to catch and shoot, do something. Um, and that's just the problem I see with Houston. But there's still, you know, 12 games over 500 team that everybody expects to make the playoffs. And I want to see what happens in the playoffs with them. At seven, I have Houston, uh, Utah, 20 and 12. Um, they were at number 10 last week, and they are riding a 10-game winning streak since the Jordan Clarkson trade. A team that's playing very confidently right now, and probably when we look back at the end of the year, um, a trade that changed the whole outcome of their season. A team that was not playing very well because they weren't getting any bench contribution, and now you throw a guy in like Jordan Clarkson, and he is just providing consistent scoring punch off the bench, and it's it's made this team play very well in the 10 games since they've had him. At number six, I have Miami. Uh, they still hold the NBA's best 18-1 record at home, and it's no longer a surprise that they're one of the NBA's best teams. Um, Bam is playing great. Jimmy Butler's playing playing very solid, getting people involved, stepping up when he <clears throat> when he needs to. And Miami is, to me, they, I did not expect this from Miami. I'm sure a lot of NBA watchers did not expect this from Miami, but they are continuing to do it at a high level. And if they can find a way to, keep, to maintain this home record, going to the playoffs and, and get themselves uh, in one of those top four seeds and, and have a home, um, first round and possibly a second round. This could be a very dangerous team. Um, at five, I have Denver, 28 and 12, second in the West, and it seems to be coming together for them. And more importantly, their rookie Michael Porter Jr., who to me is one of the the talents of the league that we're just waiting to see get better, gain confidence, be the player that we thought he was going to be out of high school as the number one player and then he went to Missouri, back injury, back problems that have plagued him really up until this point. He's looked really healthy, he's looked really good, he's looked really confident. We know that he can score and and Denver has really been riding that wave since he's came and, and, and kind of been infused into that lineup. At four, I have Boston, 27 and 12. No surprises from this team, unlike some of the other teams I talked about in the top 10. They need to make a, a move for me, uh, for a big man, um, to me for a big man at the trade by the trade deadline. I think this team has terrific guard play, terrific wing play, um, 
good bench play, good enough bench play. And we just say defensively they don't have a run protector. Uh, so they they need to figure that out, um, you know, what they're going to do. Do do I think they can beat the majority of the teams with the roster they have in the East come playoff time? Probably. I think when you run into Milwaukee, that's going to be the end of the road um, just because the size that Milwaukee has um, and, and scoring punch. You know, who's going to really guard Giannis on Boston? I don't, I don't see that happening. So that's something they, they need to address. Um, but Boston is off to a great start this season. At three, Clippers, 28 and 13. They might not have better records than some of the other teams in my power rankers, but this to me is still um, one of the best team in the NBA. When I think we look at you know what they've done to the Lakers this so far in the regular season and when they've had their full roster with the load management to Kawhi, and uh, they're hanging on to the fourth spot um, in the West, and they're only a half a game to second place. So, you know, they're they're right there in the thick of the playoff race, and I'd imagine that by the end of the season, we start looking at Clippers as being the number two or number three seed and having um, you know a home home court advantage in the playoffs, and that would be huge for them. Um, the best basketball for them is still ahead as. Paul George and Kawhi figure things out. And then normally how how they're doing right now is if one of them wants to do a so-called load management, the other one will play, step up, and they still manage to win games. At number two, I have the Lakers, 33-8. and eight. Um, I watched some of the highlights from last night against the Magic. Close loss. Markel Fultz had almost a career night, triple-double, and he really took over at the end of the game. Um, but they've been playing well still without Anthony Davis. This, gave, this has given other guys a chance to step up. Dwight Howard has played really well in the stretch, and Kyle Kuzma has played well, very well in the stretch. And I, on a previous episode, said that Kyle Kuzma is one of the biggest uh, trade pieces at the, the NBA trade deadline. And, you know, watching him, it's hard to, to say. Like, it depends on what player you're getting because he's a very valuable player off the bench. Especially if somebody gets injured, he can be infused into the lineup and he can really bring offense. And he's a, he's a solid defender as well. And at number one, I have Milwaukee, 36-6. and six. Who would have thought last year as well that they would play so well? And it's a team that's winning impressive impressively also it's how they're winning you when you watch Milwaukee leading the league still with a point differential of 12.6 points per game and in in NBA terms that's a blowout almost every game you win by more than 10 points so the only team that's winning by more than 10 10 points double digits a game and you can really credit to Giannis he's the clear cut to me favorite for MVP at this point um, I came into the season really thinking LeBron was going to win the MVP. And at this point, if Milwaukee p- continues to play the way they play all season and Giannis is at the forefront of it and they finish with the best record, who's to say that anybody else deserves the MVP even though Harden's averaging 38, LeBron's almost averaging a triple-double, and Luka's almost averaging a triple-double. But Giannis is doing this on a team that you take him away he is clearly the most valuable player in the league to his team. 
I want to thank everybody again for consistently listening to my podcast. There was a spike in listens uh, for my last episode. Um, and, and I continuously love talking to people about basketball, sports in general. See you on the next episode. Thank you.